It's just a little bit of that seed oil or it's a little bit of this particular toxin or it's a little bit of this. You know, it, I'm not going to eat a lot of it. Man, it's just a little bit of ham. It's just a little slice of Canadian bacon on there. Man, it ain't going to yeah. bro. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's walking through a minefield. Of trying to be cautious because you is just it, get you know, what is blown it, the, up. You know, the death by a thousand cuts. Hey, there you go. Thank you. So if it ain't, it's in this one it's and a, this a, one a, and this one. A death by a thousand cuts of cold cuts. Welcome back to the Middle Ground Podcast. Your host, Imam Mark Manley from Middle Ground Muslim Center. And in this episode, episode seven, I'm going to be joined again by my beloved brother, Daoud Arayman, and we're going to be discussing a topic I think that all of us will find important and can relate to, and that is health. And we're going to explore what is health and what can we do to try to improve our health, not only from an anecdotal point of view, which we'll, we'll share some of the things that we've done, but also especially from a more of a, you could say, disposition, or as we've been working on the mindset, heart set point of view, from a strategic point of view, what is something that we can all do, despite our varying physical capabilities, what can we do to improve our health? So, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. I've got everything at my fingertips here, so... <laughs> Convenience at its finest. I'm surrounded by... Tentacles of, of all of your technology, stuff. man. This, this this is why we in the shape we in, man. Chuck got us wrapped up with all this technology, bro. We don't <laughs> even know what we're doing no more, man. I hear you. I'm, I'm in the same boat with all of this. Um. So I think moving into uh, our next aspect of. Um, Correlating the understanding of womanhood, manhood with the idea of mindset, heart set, religiosity, uh, and health, um, we can, we can kind of spotlight health and how this, um, affects us daily. And a, a question posed, um, of physical health, I'll start out with that is how can I improve my physical health? and fitness to feel more energized and confident. And we should be asking ourselves these questions or that question. Um, I would say in today's environment with, I'm going to say it, the corruption of food because the farming industry has kind of pinned us between do I pay this amount to feed my family so I can get bulk or do I only buy a little because I need to get organic? And by bulk, we don't mean like making gains, right? That's <laughs> yeah. a different, you know, we all want to bulk, but sometimes you got to cut. Too. Right. You do bulk and cut or are you doing a bulk cut? That Just so yeah. we understand. Yeah. Not, not bulk. Like, do I go to Smart and Final and, you know, okay, just. Yeah, yeah. Costco know, bulk. Costco, whatever you not, know, and, not Venice Beach Bowl, and, and more, more. I I would have to say more specifically. Um, <laughs> I'd have to say, uh, like, do I go to Walmart? 
you know, and potentially buy low grade food. Well, I don't really know where it came from, how it came and where it's grown. I just we need to eat. And, you know, right. this is the dichotomy that many families and people go through um, in providing for themselves and in, in, in health and family, you know, in health. So, you know, I'll leave it there posing that question. And I'll repeat it one more time. How can I improve my physical health and fitness to feel more energized and confident? So maybe you can run with it. You know, I don't run no more, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. And I look like it. Uh, well, I, th- I think, you know, let, let's even ask the question. What is health? Mm. What does the word health mean? Because, you know, I, you know, you know I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a language person. And so, uh, as, as I always say in my classes, right, semantics matter. It's not simply the, the, the product that matters. But the process into which that product is you know, is going to be made mm-hmm. matters, and so I think it's helpful to even unpack, especially words that we use in our everyday life that never themselves uh, ever have a light shined on them. Well, what does this word even mean? We use it, and we use it with full confidence. You know, kind of like now I'm using this iPad. I'm using this. Uh, Laptop, man, I have no idea what kind of sorcery inside this Joker that actually makes it work. I have, I just know if I press that button, it turns <laughs> on, and if I click the little Apple menu, this happens. I couldn't tell you the first thing about none of how all of this bid'a, how this shaitanic devil sorcery <laughs> works, man. You know, um, I'm glad it does work because that's how we do in this podcast, right? But I have no idea. So the word health. Let's let's look at it both from our uh, vulgar and vernacular point of view. And mm-hmm. by the way, vulgar doesn't always mean like a bad word. Sure. It just means like the, the, the common tongue. And then let's look at it uh, both from a Muslim point of view, which of course usually involves, well, how do we articulate that in the Arabic language, which is going to be dominated by definitions from the Qur'an, mm and the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu right? Because we all, you know, a lot of what we do here, even though we talk about things that are maybe not, uh, that might be more implied and not specific in the Qur'an, we like to generally uh, have a foundation of how we look at things based upon the Book of Allah, right, on the Qur'an, and of mm. course, from the life of the Prophet Sallallahu and his companions. So, so, that being said, what is, what is health, right? So if we break down the etymology of health in the English language, uh, the word itself has a kind of Germanic root, and it means to be whole, right? It means to be whole or to be sound. And even in the uh, proto, you know, what, what, what do they call it? Uh, the, the proto-Indo-European languages, meaning that these are the old roots of English and other, you know, Western languages, is the idea of kylo, which means to be uninjured, uninjured. So let's start with that. I think that, you know, if we're going to look at, you know, health, is it's, a, it's about a state of wholeness or how that wholeness has been disrupted. And I think that's important because we tend to look at health today, it's so 
compartmentalized as, well, you know, I got to run around and do all these things. And so let me give a a 30 second moment to contemplate my health. And I'm going to have this, you know, I'm going to have this protein bar and I'm going to have this smoothie shake and I'm going to do this or that. And it's not, we don't, we don't necessarily look at it from a whole or comprehensive point of view. Mm. And of course, in, 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 in Islam, our you know uh, our religious language being Arabic, we know the word siha, which come is related to the word sahih, which means again to be sound, mm-hmm. right? When something is sound, and so we call this siha, like in in the in the Arabic, and it's related to the idea of being sound. So actually, we find in this case a correlation and and an alignment between our vernacular language English and our say things that are rooted in Islam, that it's about being whole. Mm. And so if it's about being whole, if health is about being whole, then we've got to give it a due much greater than whatever protein bar, at least in the beginning, right? Now, I think one part we'll get to in a little bit is in, you know, in terms of the establishing of habits uh, so that one doesn't have to purely rely upon, you know, mental fortitude or willpower or, you know, motivation. <clears throat> um, that being said, though, we need to have a team huddle and we need to think about, well, what what is health? And like with many things in life, you don't know what it means. You might know what it is by definition, but you don't know what it means until you don't have it. That's Just like money. It's a good contrast. Right? You know, and so that, you know, many things are understood by the contrast, right? Light is understood by darkness. Darkness is understood by light. Um, and so health is often best understood when there are moments of non-health or degraded health. Money and finances and wealth are best understood in many ways, especially in a visceral way. Mm. When there's a lack of it. Um, and I think we're living in a time where an, inc- an already great number of people are living very, very unhealthy. And we seem to only be heading in a direction of where that number will expand, unfortunately. And so we need to think about ways uh, to reverse that. Right. Because all the things we talked about in the first part of Manhood, womanhood, being responsible, having a mindset, heart set, being you know, all those things will be uh, even your religiosity mm. can be uh, greatly frustrated when you are not healthy. Now, we also understand that Allah can decree anything and that one of the trials and the tribulations that can be inflicted on a person is a, de- a degradation in their health. And the mm. Prophet Sallallahu told us about khams qabla khams, right? Take advantage of five things before other five things happen. And one of those five was take advantage of your siha, take advantage of your health before you become sick. Mm. So we understand that, you know, no matter how much kale we eat or <laughs> no matter how much wild, grass-fed, reservation, preservation, conservation, uh, bighorn elk, that we harvest with our bare hands uh, out on the tundra wastes of wherever, that you cannot, you cannot avoid that if that's what's written for you. Mm. And so that's why those other things that we talked about, 
come into play that, okay, well, how do you deal with it? That being said, and I think that'll be one of the, maybe the foundational things we want to talk about today, there's a difference between Allah causing you to have a test in your life, whether that's in your health, in your finances, in your marriage, in your whatever. There's a difference between that and just making self-sabotaging poor choices that contribute uh, to your own demise versus being tested. Like Being tested by Allah is one thing. Self-sabotage is entirely another. And, and that's probably, a, um, I won't even say living in the West, but in general, for most humans, um, we no, self-sabotage. I think, why, why not mention the West? Because not every mentioning not, of the West means down with the West. Sure. Or this, but, but nonetheless, there are, let's say, uh, occupational hazards, to borrow a word, of being a Westerner. <laughs> food is one of them. Yeah, affluence and food and the way that food is even conceived of and thought of and the way that health is conceived of and thought of. Um, I mean, that's why, you know, Islam encourages a human being, regardless of what culture that they come from, mm. to look at that culture again or look at the very look at the familiar that you often don't give time and consideration to and look at it again and be critical not to deconstruct it into, you know, smithereens, but ultimately to how to try to make it something, you know, better. Yeah, well, the, the, the self-sabotage, though, I, I would have to say um, it, it's like a minefield. Let me, let me go in a different direction. To, to maintain your health, you know, and sometimes we're focused on just working out but not the eating habit. And then the eating habit, maybe we're focused more on our eating, but we're not doing our due diligence with the other aspect of physical health. Yes. Uh, and so like you mentioned, the holistic view is where we want to be. We want to be whole. Uh, and it's daunting because, like I said in the beginning, well, do I spend this amount of money for this grocery bag? Yes. Does it go to the gym? And, you know, to juggle all of this uh, really becomes hard. But if it's a practice and a habit, yes, and you make those choices to the best that you can do, right, uh, and at least, or at least at the very least, be aware, be aware of you know what I need to be cautious of what I eat because it's like a m- minefield. For myself, I go to the grocery store. If it isn't this product that has this little thing in it, that's very bad for me, and it because com- you know here's the excuse. Well, it's just a little. It's just a little bit of that seed oil or it's a little bit of this particular toxin or it's a little bit of this. You know, it, I'm not going to eat a lot of it. Man, it's just a little bit of ham. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's just a little slice of, a little slice of Canadian bacon on there. Man, it ain't going to yeah. hurt you, <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's walking through a minefield. Of trying to be cautious because or what you is just it? Get you know what is blown it? up? You know the death by a thousand cuts. And there you go. Thank you. So if it ain't, it's in this one it's and a, this a, one a, and this one. A death by a thousand cuts of cold cuts. You know, and exactly the cold cuts, all those nitrates. <laughs> death by a thousand <laughs> cuts of ham and salami. <laughs> it's like yeah. So I mean, even if you're not trying to sabotage, even if you're cautious of not self sabotage. You're still, you know, bombarded with all types of, uh, and of course, I think part of self sabotage can be the, 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 the tendency that all of us have is to look for 
oversimplifications of things. Yeah, well. Right. So we want it easy. You know, I'm going to do keto. I'm going to do carnivore. I'm going to do this or that. And what the data shows is that, again, barring a person's maybe particular issue, right? Whether you have a, you know, so, so whether it's keto, carnivore, paleo, carb cycling, this or that, uh, they have shown to have about the same efficacy in achieving short-term results. Right. I want to lose weight. I want to do that. Okay, boom. They've all shown that generally. Now, in my case, somebody that has both metabolic syndrome and some mitochondrial dysfunction and type 2 diabetes, I'm probably not I'm probably going to aim for the low carb, you know, version of of all those because my body doesn't like carbohydrates at least at this at this point. But somebody, let's say, doesn't, and they want to do, uh, you know, I mean, they've even shown people there, there are there are diets of high carbohydrate, low carbohydrate, short term, they can all pretty much deliver an equal mm. uh, equal short term success rate. They also seem to all have the same long term failure rate, mm. <laughs> uh, and that's important in that none, in most, in the vast majority of people that start out with a particular diet. Uh, uh, eventually stop it. Why? Usually due to an oversimplification of what their problem is, uh, self-sabotage, and relying too much on self uh, 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 on motivation or mm. too much relying on uh, uh, you know all, you know willpower, for instance. Mm. Which are things to be used sparingly and at various moments. I mean, willpower is great, and uh, you know, but it's like a muscle. It can only be put under tension for so long. And so it has its use, just like working out. You know, if, you, know you can, uh, you know, just to break it down simply, you can do high, wa- high, uh, high weight, low rep, or low weight, high rep exercises. Mm-hmm. And they will produce somewhat different results. But either way, you can definitely grow your muscle or you can get stronger and whatnot, no matter which one you do, you cannot just for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, put weight on a bar and just continue to lift it, right? Your muscle has a a very, very short uh, period of where you can exercise and utilize it and then it just burns out. In fact, that's what happens to many people that, you know, a lot of people don't realize when they work out. In many ways, they overwork out. Mm that they overstimulate the body and that they're not hitting the sweet spot between not doing anything at all and doing too much and not allowing, you know, m- now we understand that much of the particularly muscle uh, muscle growth, whether we want to call that as in size or in strength, occurs as much or perhaps even more in the rest periods yeah. than it does in the activity. I mean, obviously you have to stimulate the muscle or nothing's going to happen. Right. And so I feel like in the same way, like with willpower, it has its place and its function, but you cannot rely upon it all the time or to be motivated. You know, I mean, my mom and I were talking about this other day and she was trying, she's like, oh, you know, maybe you could talk to your brother. My brother is a person that's, you know, going through some major, you know, health issues. And she's like, you know, maybe you could talk to him to motivate him. And I was like, well, mom, you know, motivation only lasts for so long. 
if you don't have a sense of discipline and then habits to support that discipline in the easiest way possible, eventually you will fail. Right. Right. So, and motivation, that was part of my dissertation, motivational theory. And, you know, as I've said before, inspiration can trump motivation when you're inspired to do something. And a lot of times when it comes to our health, it's like you said, we get really motivated and inspired when you're sick. And it was too late now. Or now sitting, it's a little bit too or late. You, it's, you can get inspired sitting on the couch or you can, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, driving in the car and you hear, again, that's great. Use that as a springboard to jump into action. But you cannot be inspired all the time. True. So you got to build a habit and you have to have a game plan. And so part of our show is bringing solutions, right? So we're identifying a problem that we, we we're seeing, and in particular, a lot of uh, individuals in the West with health. Um, you might have your religiosity down, but your health is failing. Or you have someone in your family that's failing, and you don't know how to help them. Um, so some of the solutions, and as we've identified right now, hopefully everyone heard that one, habit. So if you're building a habit and everything is built on repetition, 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 um, and it might be, you know, small bites, little steps in the beginning, but start. You got to start somewhere. And part of that process is visualizing it, thinking about it, writing it out maybe. What are you going to do? How are you going to achieve your holistic health? Um, program, if especially you will. to have, you need to have a system of accountability. Yeah, I like using Google Calendar, or not just Google, but just I, I, I use I use my Google Calendar, and what I like to do is I like to actually track my workouts. Now, some people will track them like I did this amount of reps and this much weight or this. I just simply like to make a marker on my calendar. I exercise today, and I'll do it very simply, like I walk today. Or I, you know, I walked for 30 minutes. I walked for 60 minutes. Or I lifted. I don't even put in how many reps or what. Yeah. Just so that at the end of the week, I can look at my camp. I can look at my calendar from the month view, and I can see those yellow dots. That's really. Good. I like. I have it color coded, right? So all of my workouts are yellow. Yeah. And so when I look at my calendar, I can have a more of a bird's eye view of like. Generally, where is my activity level at? And I can definitely tell with my activity level, where there's not as many yellow dots on my calendar over a month, my pants fit different. Yeah. My mood is different. Uh, my energy level is different. My robustness, you know, in terms of being, you know, because again, what is health for? We, we tend to think of health, again, it's hard to sometimes even articulate what it is unless it's absent. But if we can also think, what are, or what are the practical uses of health? One of the practical uses of health is not just simply to be strong, that's true, but also to be vital. And to be vital means to be able to persevere and withstand and fight off. Like when we talked about sabr, what is the, what is the common definition of sabr? Patience. But the Quran paints sabr from a word. No, you got you to gotta take it on the chin. 
You know, you're going to have to take some shots. How can you take those body shots and those chin shots? And how can you, you know, how can you have a little bit of that slippery science, right? You know, boxing slippery science where you get to shake off those and persevere. So also health is to be perseverant. Yeah. You know, that uh, being around, like, how, how can you resist getting sick? How can you resist uh, being tired? How can, you know, because you have to push through things in life. Yeah. So, I mean, coming back to the idea of motivation, even though it's it's not always the, it could be a safety net, but sometimes, you know. It can be a part boost. Of, it can it, be a it's boost definitely too. a boost, right? And so to hold, um, to map out your, your game plan, you might need a coach. You might need some other, you know, competition, if you will. Uh, it might be within your own family. It might be with your, one of your brothers or, you know, you might both. tag team, right? Yeah. I mean, people that make a living off of being active, they it involves coaching and it involves competition. Yeah. I mean, if you even think about it, the Quran, there's the, 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 the passage at the very end of Surah Al-Mutafifin, where Allah says, وَفِي ذَلِكَ and that is what the mutanafis, the people of competition, that's what they're competing over. They're competing over what? Getting into paradise. Yes. So we don't compete for worldly things, we compete for afterworldly things. Right. And that's a healthy form of competition. So competition is good, it's motivating. So Allah is saying, if you want to compete, then compete for those things that come later. Who's the coach? The Quran and the Prophet Sallallahu so even by design, Islam is, is a way of life that it encourages healthy competition, mm. but it also is to submit oneself to the rigor and the guidance of being coached. You know, it's not about only just your own personal genius. Right. You can cultivate that and bring that out, but you're going to need a coach to help you do that. Sometimes you need to coach. That's right. Um. So maybe with your your own lived experience in regards to your your eating habits and how you had to modify um, some of those eating habits, you can share with us what are some of the things you avoid or you've incorporated uh, in regards to to actual diet. I think I think before we even get to the like anecdotal, I mean, I can share some of the things that I have done, but I think. Before that, like we're saying, is you need to have a plan and a program. And I, I talked about this in a video like last year. Like, mm. you know, having a plan is fine. Mm. Like, you know, I wanna I wanna be able to bench press three hundred pounds. Okay. That's that's a great plan or goal to have. But if you can only, you know, get seventy five pounds off the bar, then what's your program to get there? Mm-hmm. And the first, the first important thing is to recognize I need a program. So in my own personal health journey over the last two years where, alhamdulillah, I was able to you know, drop a significant amount of weight, I think around like 65, 70 pounds, and I was able to, and, you know, because I had this idea, fit at 50. I, I was coming up on my 50th birthday, and I wanted to be able to get in some type of decent shape by the time I hit 50. 
And so I realized that I, that was, you know, it was great to have an overarching goal. Like, I want to get fit by 50. Okay, but what does that mean? And I have to be honest about my deficiencies, first off. Mm. And I need to have some plans. So one is, as we said, whether you do keto or carnivore, right? One is to, you need to have a habit and a plan and those things. And so when it comes to what are my eating habits is one, my first thing is you need to have one. I don't really care which one it is. I don't have any skin in the game as to whether you do intermittent fasting and you eat twice a day or, you know, one meal a day, you know, OMAD. There's some people that advocate for doing one meal a day. You know, I, again, I'm not, I don't get paid on commission. I don't really care which one you do, but you need one of them and you generally need to stick to it. Well, let me ask you though, real quickly. Did you did you do trial and error like I did? I did and f- figured out which one fit for you, huh? You know, not a lot. I mean, so one, I, I, you know, I, I realized very quickly that one, I had been really unhealthy for a long time. Mm. So I think it was around I was, you know, forty eight and a half, and I had really been struggling with my diabetes for at that point almost. 15 years, and I was really getting tired of being sick. I was getting tired of, you know, having these, because you remember, I used to get these periodic and very frequent outbreaks of gout that would be extremely painful. Um, I would be in and out of the hospital because my blood sugar would just be, you know, through the roof. And so I was just, I was self-sabotaging. I was doing many, 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 many things wrong, and... I started doing a deep dive and just kind of looking for, as they say, any port in a storm. So I, 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 I came across a guy, um, we'll put it in the show notes, or if it comes to me, I'll mention it. But he's, uh, he's, a, he's a doctor, and he's had all these videos about intermittent fasting. Mm. And, of course, as a Muslim, we knew about fasting, but there's a difference between dry and wet fasting. Now, mm-hmm. what we do as Muslims in the month of Ramadan or, or at other times that we fast is it's considered a dry fast, right? right? So in your in your in the period of time in which you're not intaking any food, you're also not intaking any liquid, including you know including water. And so he noted that there was a difference uh, in terms of dry and wet fasting, and he knew about Ramadan and whatnot. Uh, and what I noticed actually in my personal case, my diabetes got worse during Ramadan. Now, some Muslims, their diabetes does really, or their other health, they, they, they really mm-hmm. boom. Their health goes up during Ramadan because of the fasting. In my case, and it's been, it's been th- shown through some clinical data, that for whatever reason, you could kind of think about it, that the, the dry fast kind of concentrated the, my, the, my issue with, with, with glucose. And so... When I started outside of Ramadan, just doing a, a, a wet fast, and I, I, I think I started at, I never really, I, I did about 16 hours a day. So I would stop eating at 6 p.m., and I would have nothing after 6 p.m. except for water. Right. And I would, you know, and then by 10 a.m., I would have something to eat, and I would generally have maybe like two biggish meals between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. And so in my case, I found that worked very well because, again, and it, for my particular issue, and I don't want to sell this as like a silver bullet for everybody, Mm-mm. because of my metabolic issue, mitochondrial dysfunction, type 2 diabetes, uh, hypersensitivity to carbohydrates, that 
uh, insulin resistance. What I found was that the less often that I revved my engine, and that's what you have to think about. Every time you eat, it's like revving your engine, right? There's a certain process that turns on, right? Your pancreas turns on, starts kicking out insulin, the hormone cascade and whatnot. And that if I only really turned on that engine twice a day, I found that over the long hump, it really made a difference. And so my body became a bit more sensitive to the insulin that it was producing because I'm a type 2, not a type 1 diabetic. And over the course of three or four months, I noticed that without doing, and at this point, I wasn't even exercising. Mm -hmm. I was just intermittent fasting and mainly two meals a day. And then I found that after about three or four months, probably lost, I don't know, 20 pounds. But more importantly, my fasting blood sugar, which was really horrible. When I first started this, I started tracking my blood sugar every single day. I had gotten to a point where I would check my sugar here and there because I knew it was going to be horrible, right? So my when I first started, my fasting sugar was like literally over 400, almost 450, which is mm-hmm. really high. And after two weeks, my fasting sugar came down to like 100, 105, like normal. Wow. And so sticking with that, and I, on a, you know, again, a low carbohydrate protocol, more protein and kind of in the middle of that fats. After three or four months, um, my body began to heal and the weight started to come off. Then I started to incorporate because now I was more, I, I was in a better state of mind mm. and my mood was better. My hormones, because I think, particularly as men, we're going to talk about manliness and, and, and masculinity. Well, mm-hmm. my last name is Manly, so I feel like <laughs> I can speak on this with authority. Is that. We tend to associate hormonal health with women. Oh, you know, this, you know, so-and-so, you know, she's acting hormonal. It's this time of the month. You know, we have all of these kind of prejudices that we have towards women and see them as hormonal. But men don't t- tend to see themselves as also having their hormones. Now, it's obviously different, and it might not cycle in the same way as a woman does, but undoubtedly, and especially... You know, you're once you pass, you're 30 years old, and you're on this ultra-processed diet, and you're eating poor, and, and natural aging process, and stress, and all the other things you can lump into it, your testosterone starts taking a dump. Next thing you know, your your endo you know endo endocrine hormonal system is taking a dump. You know, you're 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 going to not be motivated to do it. Fine. So once I turned that around. I started just feeling better. I don't want to say motivated or what, just my base underlying mood changed. Yes. Because I wasn't just so down. And so then I started, you know, with some weights. And I literally, I just, I don't like gyms. I don't like the skin fitness of the gym. I don't like waiting around for other people to get off of machines. And I, I like, I don't like listening to nobody else's music, right? So I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and I initially bought, like, I don't know. Three or four, I think I bought like 15-pound, 25-pound, and like 40-pound dumbbells and a bench. Okay. And I just, I went on YouTube, and I found this dude named Funk Roberts and a a few others. And I just, man, I mean, YouTube is great. Because I I don't, you know, I always found working out kind of boring because it's repetitive and I don't like that. And so I just started YouTubing random workout, barbell workout, I mean, dumbbell workouts. 
And the nice part about YouTube, there's an absolute bajillion number of varieties on there. And so, yeah. you know, I got a little TV in my garage, and I just went in there, and I went into my little man cave, and I started working out. Right. And then just from that, that stimulated me, and that changed my underlying mood. And now I was like, you know what? I'm going to go buy a rack. And so I ordered, I spent a couple hundred bucks and I got a squat rack and I got an Olympic bar. And so now I'm deadlifting and squatting. And, you know, it's pretty much been what you've seen. Like over the course of the last year and a half, um, you know, I've, I've, alhamdulillah, like my diabetes, I basically got off my diabetes medication, uh, controlling my blood sugar, you know, through, I started wearing a constant glucose monitor. You know, so I can share all these as anecdotal. I don't want anybody to walk away with the idea that this is like a game set match. If you just do what you know, man, Mark did, you're good to go. But I think you need to look at yourself in the mirror, literally, because that also helps. I looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. No, you know. But then two, like, what are my problems? I was type two diabetic, almost fifty years old. Uh, uh, ex- almost a completely defunct metabolism, you know, kaput. Another person may have a completely different, like I have a, a friend of mine, he's somebody I call a tofi. He's thin on the outside and fat on the inside. Right. And ironically, he, he contacted me a few months ago and he said, man, I can't believe it. I just got back from the doctor because he wasn't feeling well. He thought he had COVID. Goes to the doctor, finds out he's type 2 diabetic. Hmm. He's skinny as a rail. But part of his issue is that he has such low, low muscle mass. Even though he's very thin, and now we're finding it's about like body composition and ratios. He's so thin that even though he's skinny, his muscle mass is so low. And he's my age now. I think he's a year older. He's 51. That Now he's type 2 diabetic. Yeah. So he's got to, part of his regimen will not be necessarily the intermittent fasting and the losing weight. He needs to build muscle. Right. So that he can change his, you know, body mass composition because that's going to be one of the primary drivers for his type 2 diabetes, right? So what I'm saying is you have to be willing to look at yourself and analyze and be curious and, and, and accept whatever the diagnosis is and accept that you have a problem and look for you know solutions, and then abandon the need to have an emotional state with everything. Like when I'm talking about them, I felt better. And okay, that's great. But what's kept me going for the last year and a half? Because most people they start something, they get a little result, and they get they actually they get happy, and then they stop, mm-hmm. and then they then they reverse or even go further. Is that I don't work out anymore. Because of those things, even though I do, you get the endorphins, you get, okay, that's great. But I work out now because that's just what it requires in order for me to function, to be there for my family, to support my wife, my daughter, to do my job as imam, and to be whole, right, is that I have to do this. And so I'm not, I don't necessarily need to be rewarded with a cookie or this or that, right? Devo- you know, kind of avoiding the need to always be psychologically rewarded with some sort of state of elation versus now I have more of a comprehensive understanding that I need to do this whether I'm in the mood for it or not. And there are many days, even now, there are many, like the other, I was, I was talking to my mom, I was at the gym. I did not feel like working out. 
Sure. I was tired, you know, because my daughter had been sick and my wife was sick. And so I wasn't sleeping good. Matter of fact, my daughter went back to stay with her mom. I went to sleep in my daughter's bed. My feet are hanging off the edge and the bed is lumpy. It's like not my own bed. And so I, I'm not sleeping good, but I went to the gym. And it doesn't matter whether I did a set less than the last time or I didn't get a personal record or any of this other nonsense that you see from all these influencers is that I just have to go to the gym. Built your habit. I just have to do that. You built your habit. Yes. So uh, kind of coming back to the idea of you had a good, I think, uh, if you will, um, saying for yourself, fit by 50. You correlated that with the plan. And so part of the solution um, for many of us is we don't start. Uh, part of the solution is the plan. But the problem is we don't have a plan. Because um, we don't have a system of accountability. We don't have that system of accountability. So having this plan, building the habit, um, is what's going to be essential for, for many of us, young and old, especially the young people. If you can build your habit now and not get burnt out on it because that's part of the plan, it's a long-term plan, just like our, our prayer that's every day. I was, gonna, I was actually going to bring that in and mention yeah. that, right? How do you get up and pray Fajr on a regular basis? Or how do you maintain your five prayers throughout the day? It's to have an internal sense of obligation yeah. or, as we would say, accountability. I'm accountable to Allah to get these prayers done and at the times that they are prescribed. And... I might have a day or two, just like I have a day or two. I mean, my workout wasn't the greatest or whatnot. At the end of the day, I have to be accountable to Allah to get these things done. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, if you can do this thing in the gym, inshallah, right, then you can do these things in your other parts of life as well. Exactly. You know, they will spill over. and or Or, you know, if you're a person struggling with your, you know, with your, you know, with your salah, but you're, you know, killing it in the gym, you know, learn to bring that same mindset into what you're doing, you know, with your, with your yeah. gym workout. Yeah. It's a, it's a re, you know, you got to reframe things and sometimes look at it, uh, from a different perspective. Um, I'll just share, you know, I, I used to work out a lot when I was young. Uh, I was always physically, most of my job career paths, you know, engaged in some kind of physical, uh, activity, just construction by itself, uh, being in that space. But um, the habit was really built by by my father because he worked out a lot. Mm. I would see him do it a lot. So, mm. you know, I, I took it upon myself to kind of work. And, I, and, I, and my dad would, it was, he was interesting, and probably because there just wasn't a lot of gyms at the time as there are now, but he would just do a lot of workout at home. Grab two chairs and Man. you know just do and so I I figured out how you could do a lot of uh, uh, yes. home gym work. Yeah. So today you know I'll just take from the playbook of our imam here every now and then I'll do some walking and usually right after prayer that's just me. So Definitely everybody, one of the most underrated forms of exercise if you have a if you have a ex excess weight issue. You know, hitting that, what, what they call it, zone two, mm. right? 
cardio where, you know, you're not huffing and puffing and like, you know, you're running for your life, but you're not sitting on the couch, like that sweet spot in between where you're, your heart rate is up a little there's bit. some exertion. You yeah. know, um, and there's a guy, I think it's Paul Riviera or Rivera mm. or whatever. He's this guy. Uh, you, and he came up with this idea. And I, I, I was inspired, if we dare say, by him where he had this hashtag, walking to get shredded. Mm. He's like, if you want to lose weight, He's like, you know, probably 60% of it is your diet. So, you, you know, you're going to have to come up with a – figure out what your base rate is of how many calories you need to and then, you know, shaping your macros in a certain way that fit you. Uh, and so not overindulging, but then also walk. He's like, man, it's one of the most – he said it's actually far better at burning fat than running. I don't need – and it's free. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was going to get you. I don't need like all these particulars to get me to go do something, right? No supplement. I, no... I don't need a particular type of clothes. Yeah, I just put don't... on my jeans. Right. I put on my shoes, and I just go do it because I need to go do it because I built that habit. And so, you know, I, I con myself into um, like, you, oh, you'll have a low self-esteem. You got to go do that. Okay, I'll go do it. So I talk to my, do my self-talk yeah. and get myself in it. And I just go um, every other day. I'll do a walk. And I for me, the way I teach is we teach in chunks. So my students, I used to tell them, you know, if, if this is too difficult, you find it too difficult, then just do a little. Here, just do a little bit right now yeah. uh, and spread it out through the day, whatever it might be. So, you know, do a half an hour today, you know, right now, maybe later in the evening when you have some time, do another half hour and so on and so forth. So I do the same. I do chunks. So I'll do, I started out my walks. It was just, uh, I'm going to just do two laps. So I go around my whole complex and I'll just do two laps and I'm yeah. done. And I worked myself up. I said, that's dumb. I said, I got to do more than this, you know, and, and I got up to just seven because I got to right. go do other things. I can't yes, just spend my no, whole day, no. you know, focused on that. And just the mere fact of me focused, focusing my workout, and there's a few other things I do in that walk set, um, you know, I've been able to trim right. down and yes. keep motivated. So then the next day, I'll do my cardio work. Well, not really cardio, but I'll just do my, um, how can I put it? Like calisthenics or something? Or? Calisthenics. That, that, that's the word I was looking for. I'll do a few push-ups. Now, when I was young, my goal was, oh, I got to do 35. I got to do 50. I got to do X amount. I don't count no more. Yeah. I focus on my breathing. Yes. So I'll start out with, I'll start doing my push-ups and my mind automatically wants to go one, two, three, four, five. Right. I, I, I stop, I go one, 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 one. Right, and right. breathe in, breathe out until I can't do no more. Right. That's so, what I, I mean, there's an idea, you know, when, when people started asking me when I when I started really getting into to, to lifting over the past year, they're like, wow, man, like not only did you look like you lost weight, but like, like Imam got he got traps now, <laughs> yeah. you know he's got some biceps. Boy, he's got some, like, what, what, what's you know? And I said you know like you know. And so the, one of the young kids, I think Adib, was like, "Oh man, like what's your max one rep?" I said, "Dude, <laughs> I don't, I'm 50 years old, bro. I don't have no one <laughs> max really? rep no more, man. I'm saving that when the the jowl comes, you, or, know. you know, when, when something comes, when something <laughs> jump <laughs> off. I'm saving that, you know, for when something jump off. I said, I don't, I don't think of it like that anymore. I'm not saying that." 
you know, again, for other people, maybe that's maybe that's a motivator for you. And if it is, alhamdulillah. I'm just saying in my personal case, it, uh, like right. you, it wasn't about that. But what I did find is, and again, the internet is, and YouTube is a great resource, is that I started looking up like, you know, guys in their 40s or 50s or even 60s, like how were they working mm. out? And so they were like, you know, uh, reps to failure, right? And then even drop setting. So whether, you know, like one guy, he's like, you know, just do push-ups until failure. And then when you can't do any more, then do push-ups on your knee. Like at the same, like let's say, let's say you could only right, do yeah. eight push-ups, like unaided. Yeah. You could only do eight. And then instead of stopping, he's like, all right. Now. Now see if you can get in another five, six, seven, eight on your knees. And then... If you once you once you're burnt out from that, then do it against the wall, right? Right. And he said, "What well, if you stick with that? What you'll find is over time, like that number will expand." And so when I started, you know, when I started lifting, man, I was I was definitely even though I'm a big guy, I was weak because I hadn't lifted weights, in, right, right? You know, in, in years, and so my numbers were abysmal. But alhamdulillah, like I started doing drop sets. And that's why I bought those dunk. Like I said, I got like a 20, I think a 15, 25, and 40. And so instead of, you know, trying to, you know, 300 pounds one time, it's like, no, I'm going to do dumbbell bench press. And I'm going to start off at 40 pounds. Mm. And I, you know, I think when I first started, man, I was able to do maybe like 15, barely 20 reps at 40. And again, dumb, you know, Dumbbell bench press is a little bit different than barbell bench press, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you see, you know, some of these guys that are massive, but they're only doing like 80 pounds, right, right, when it comes to dumbbell bench press. Because, you know, each arm is isolated, the pec is isolated, and it's harder. But, yeah, I was only able to do like maybe 15 or 20. Sure. And then I would drop them and immediately grab the 25s and do those until I burnt out and then do the 15s. and, And then it eventually got to the point where, you know, after maybe like two months, I had to go back to Dick's and get some 60-pound dumbbells. <laughs> and then I had to go back and get a pair of 80-pound dumbbells because, you yeah. know, my strength yeah, was growing. Tolerance. And so if you put aside the ego, the self-sabotage, you know, I'm not, you know, if I was 20 years old, well, 20 years old, man, I, we wouldn't even, this would be a different podcast. And we have a different podcast. Right? <laughs> you know, we would be talking about this, but I'm not, I'm not 20 years old anymore. And so... You know, again, I want to be sound and whole. Again. There we go. And being sound and whole at fifty years old, which is not old by any means, but trust me, the extended warranty hey, is, is up. You get- right? I got to go to the junkyard now and get, and get parts. Uh, it's it's different at fifty. Definitely. Even though I'll be honest, now almost two years later, I would definitely contend because I also got my old man strength now, right? I got my old black man strength now that I'm 50 years old. Because like, you got your st- when you hit 50, wind. Allah blesses you with your old man strength. You know, not strength, but strength. Strength, right? So I would say that if I were to go in a time machine and wrestle with 20 year old me as 50 year old me, I think I could beat 20 year old me just because <laughs> not not in a not in a marathon. No. Not not in a marathon, but I could definitely Strategy. be 50-year-old yeah. me in that way in that I just have more strength. Well, that sounds like uh, Wolverine when Wolverine met his young yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely am, I feel, I'm, I'm definitely stronger than I was before. But um, so, you know, you, you, yeah. can, you can definitely, you know, grow and improve. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a funny thing, man. To maximize um, time, because I think another – 
uh, issue for many people, of course, is time. And so one of my solutions was, of course, doing it early. So whatever time Fudger comes in, whatever time their morning prayer comes in, you know, it's rotating. So now it's a little bit later. So I have to do my workout a little bit earlier. Yeah, sure. So I just revolve around that. But it's definitely either before fudge or after. Yeah, I think I think most people will find that the uh, well, I, I guess it depends on your schedule too, well, your lifestyle. Like I don't work anymore a conventional nine to five job where you know I got to be out the door at seven because I got an hour commute or whatnot. So uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously the morning time is great because. You know, I think one, the mind is quieter. Well, the world is a little bit quieter. But what, whatever it is, whatever you you got to carve out your time. But again, to build that habitual practice of whatever time you could fit it in to maximize your time. And again, my the maximizing of my time is that my workouts are very condensed. So yeah, I only you don't, do three. You, you don't got to be in the gym for hours and, hours and hours. Yeah, I only do three sets. And like yeah. I said, I don't know the reps. I just till I right. can't do no more, right. and only three, and I'm done. And I think that that shows too, like you know, th- and I talked about this. People will laugh. Three? That's all you. Do. Three well, sets. again, because you. So here's the thing too: when you craft your goal, yeah, you need to you need to deep dive into that a little bit more. To to one, am I trying to achieve my goal or somebody else's goal? Thank you. And so, what I mean by that is, you know, you might, you know, we're all on social media today, and so, you know, I do. I follow some of these guys on social media that lift weights, but the thing is, they're bodybuilders. And of course, I mean, you know, you see some dude with some, you know, 8% body fat and some super sculpted, you know, physique. That's great. But I have to be honest with myself. Is that what... I'm trying to achieve that's, a. That's the point. Uh, and also, is that the same as good health? Because we've seen many, many, many <laughs> bodybuilders. Look at them today. That yeah. are dropping like flies. In the 90s and 80s. You know, they're all dropping like flies. And so clearly, they were not very healthy, even though they might have been ripped and yoked, but they weren't necessarily healthy. Right. And so you have to make sure that you're not pursuing somebody else's dream and yeah. that's the that that can be the challenge with only taking social media influencers you know as as your you know you know that, that, that your, that's your conception for what I'm trying to do because getting in shape or being healthy uh will undoubtedly uh, probably be different than bodybuilding. Most people aren't bodybuilding. Matter of fact, you know, the, bodybuilding isn't even the. Matter of fact, some bodybuilders are actually athletically, you know, inept. Sure, you know, they got you know single digit body fat and they're super ripped. But most of them, they probably couldn't run a sprint or they have very poor coordination because what they're trying to do is achieve a certain aesthetic right. look. I want my I want my pectoral muscle like this. I want my my glutes like that. I want and that's different because one the end goal of them as a bodybuilder, not a power lifter, but of a bodybuilder is to get on stage in your haram underwear <laughs> and pose and they're going to judge you on a number of things, you know, size and symmetry. Right. So 
if I'm not getting on any stage and posing a dental floss, then what am right, I doing? Yeah. Then, you know, maybe I'm not necessarily going to follow the path of the bodybuilder or, verb, you know, I'm not going to necessarily take it lock, stock, and barrel, A through Z, everything. I might pilfer or pinch, you know, some things from, from what they're doing. Uh, but again, I have to ask myself, what are my deficiencies? What do I want my strengths to be? What does it mean to be good? I mean, I, it was, well, I think it was yesterday or the day before we were talking about people that are talking about being healthy but are laid up in a hospital. Right. You know, and that the doctors will tell them, oh, uh, we're, we want to get your numbers like this. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, I right now I have a family member that's in a hospital. And he's talking, oh, my numbers are good. Really? Your numbers are good, but you're in a hospital. Mm. So either your numbers aren't good or good numbers are not the same and are not synonymous in and of themselves with good health. Because if good numbers was the same exact thing as good health, you wouldn't be in a hospital. Right. So, you know, that's what I mean. I think you have to explore a little bit more and understand what is good health comprehensively. You know, that if you're resilient and you're mobile and you're productive and your your life is not being interrupted or inhibited by your lack of health, that in itself might be, okay, your health is good. Okay, maybe you're not going to become an underwear model or you're not going to be posing on stage in dental floss or, or whatnot. And that's what I mean. You know, be careful of these prepackaged concepts of health because they may not be what in the end, you know, A, what you're trying to achieve, and B, they may actually even frustrate or even prohibit the achieving of those goals. Right. So I think one of the uh, concepts here um, outside of working out and being whole, definitely your mindset, but the greatest factor would be food. Definitely. What we're eating. And that, that is one part you can certainly take from the bodybuilders that, and that they know to be true, right? I mean, these are people that, you know, they live in the gym. They're working out. I mean, a professional bodybuilder, I mean, probably the most iconic if you think of somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? That were working out three, four, five, six hours a day, right? And again, that was to achieve a certain aesthetic, you know, look. And of course, that was augmented by anabolic steroids and other things. But even with the steroids, you can't just take steroids and then sit on the right. couch and just magically you're going to look like those guys. But what, they, what they've come to know now that 60 to 70% of what you do is your diet. Mm. And I think that will apply to whether you're bodybuilding or whether you're just like me and you, just a regular dude that just wants to be healthy and whole. 60 to 70% of that is going to be your food choices mm -hmm. and your relationship with food. Because I also, maybe to... To, to tie a line back to what I was talking about with intermittent fasting. Obviously, the whole idea of intermittent fasting is that you're not eating. And so it's about a relationship with food. Mm -hmm. But it, yes, what you put in your body 
the quantities of it, when you put it in, and the contents of those things, right? Those 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 matter. Like you said, you can't outwork out and you can't outrun a bad diet. And that's what I think frustrates many people actually in their journey to better health or even better aesthetic health, right? Is you know, they get frustrated. I'm going to the gym and I'm working out and I'm doing, 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 doing. Okay, but what's your diet like? Mm-hmm. And if and 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 if your if your diet is not subservient to your overall goals, then unless you are an absolute genetic freak. <laughs> Then you're pro- right. and even then that there's there's a limit to all hey. those things as well. Then you're then you're going to get frustrated because we like to see results. Let's just be honest. We like to see results because that is what does you know continue to give us the kind of uh, uh, you know pumping the accelerator to give us those moments of sure. motivation. Oh, yeah. and, and I and I'm no different. Like I said, when I first started and in the, after the first couple months and I started looking in the mirror and my pants started fitting differently and I started looking, yes, undoubtedly that played an enormous uh, motivational role and like, all right, well, let's keep going. Um, and it so really I, works. It, it, you know, wow, this thing works or alhamdulillah, <laughs> you know, Allah's, you know, uh, you know uh, Allah has blessed me with, okay, well, let me get some more of this blessing. So... Uh, undoubtedly, and as we know, as we said, right, Allah says in in in, in Surah Al-Abasa, فَلْيَنْدُرُ الْإِنسَانِ إِلَى تَعَامِهِ Let mankind look at his food. Mm. Contemplate and look at it. Or, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ أَمَنُوا The verse from <coughs> Surah Al-Baqarah, you know, كُلُوا مِنْ طَيِّبَاتِ مِنْ مَرَّزَقَنَاكُمْ Right? Uh, all you who believe, eat of the pure things that Allah has provided for you. Right, and be grateful for that. In kuntum iyyah, right, ta'abudun, if it really is God that you worship. So, definitely food is, and, and food doesn't have to be, it, it doesn't, it, it, I think the first thing that people jump to when we start having the conversation about food, oh, what, what, what vitamins are you taking? What supplements are you taking? You know, people jump. Again, because we want we want the we want the quick and easy route, or because we are, we're on social media, and I mean it. Like I I I, I bought something I don't know uh, maybe like two weeks ago. There's a certain creatine that I like to take, mm-hmm. and because you know my phone and my social media accounts are always spying on me. So because <laughs> I bought one damn thing of creatine now. Every time I hop on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's like everything is about every freaking supplement under the sun, (laughs) right? And so you'll be bombarded with that to think that, oh, well, you know, I can't lose weight or I can't get strength or I can't be healthy unless I have this, you know, chemistry set toolbox of everything on every pill and powder you know under the sun which absolutely is wrong sure you know so anybody that's thinking of doing this has to understand that 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 supplements are just that they supplement supplements are not food not at all right they're not food and so 
get the big ticket items first. You know, eat, and as as simply put, the 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 food that has either no label on it or the least amount of ingredients on a label. Hello, right, is going to be the best thing for you. So you know, there's a reason why they don't put a label on steak. Because the only ingredient is steak. Now, I'm not saying that might not be something that they fed the cow, but I'm just saying, like, you know, and I, I and I'm not saying that those things aren't important. You know, grass fed versus grass finished versus. I mean, again, sometimes it's like a FOMO thing, right? You get this fear of missing out. Yeah, like, it's like I got to get the absolute. You ever seen that show Portlandia? No, this is like comedy, right? Okay. I, I, I remember this is one episode where it's like these hipsters in Portland are going out to eat and he's like, you know, they got the menu and they're looking at it and, you know, they're going to have chicken and the woman is like, well, that was Bob and Bob was raised on a farm of this and that. Like they're giving all this information and then they're like, oh, you know, let's go. I think it was something like they're going to go to the farm and actually see the chicken instead of eat. I mean, you get to this point of like uh, – this granularity of detail that mm-hmm. actually winds up frustrating you right. from just getting the goal. Right. Yes, eat. You know, undoubtedly, you know, food, especially as a Muslim, that is ethically sourced. That's that you know beyond the idea of you know or behind the idea rather of halal and the biha that the meat is you know animals treated well and is slaughtered according to Sharia. Because the definition of cruelty is not what the UN comes up with or anybody else, but that Allah <laughs> Ta'ala legislated it and the Prophet Sallallahu demonstrated it. And if those two are put together, then that's not cruelty. I don't care what PETA or anybody else says, right? But, okay, maybe it didn't have, uh, you know, maybe the chicken didn't feed on certified organic earthworms, you know, for all of its life. But <clears throat> don't allow the minutia of details to drown you before achieving your goal. So, right. you know, like I said, eat something that doesn't have a label on it or mitigate that as much as possible where you're eating whole foods. Right. So avoiding processed food because I think this is one of And the- especially ultra, I think what ultra. we have to relame that process because if you take a piece of chicken and you put it in a frying there's pan, a process. there's yeah. a process, we, we, right? We, uh, what we're talking about is ultra processed food. Right. And if we can avoid that as much as possible, you're, you're going to see um, the health pattern, just your whole your whole physiology. And it, it's hard to break away from that because, you know, the, the, the habit that we built has been conditioned by TV, friends, our fast-paced lifestyle. Let's just go our buy culture. this real quick. Our culture. Our culture. Our taste buds have just been rewired to gravitate But they've also been placed front and center. Now, I'm not saying that you don't want food that doesn't taste good. No. I mean, I don't want to eat food that doesn't taste good. But when the taste bud is put front and center to the point that even anything of nutritional value is banished from consideration, then now we have a real problem because food becomes entertainment. And it merely becomes about the dopamine receptor. I mean, Allah Ta'ala has made everything on his green earth so amazing that most of it tastes, especially of the food, well, by the name, it implies that not only are they wholesome, but they're going to taste good too. They're going to taste good. And so I think the other thing is you have to commit yourself 
and submit yourself to a certain kind of process. So if we're talking about you know eating food without a label or the minimum label possible, avoiding eating the ultra processed foods, what is the implication is? You're going to have to cook your own food. Well, wait a minute. And, uh, yeah, okay, I guess, all right. I guess I guess we've uh, we've wrapped up. Thank you ladies and gentlemen for tuning in food? to another, right? You and, and what I mean by that is the first response that many people will say is, "Well, I don't like to cook." Right. And I don't like this. Well, who gives a blank about what you like and don't like? Stop putting your nuffs before your ruh. No emotion. Right. Stop putting your passions and your desires before your 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 soul. Stop putting it before the, the the health of your body. And also, you know what you like now. Just like when you're a kid, you don't want to eat broccoli. Then all of a sudden, you're 32 years old. Now all you want to do is eat or you know organically sourced, humanely slaughtered broccoli. Like that's all that you want to eat, right? Because your taste buds will change. And that's what I discovered in my own journey of basically. Uh, taking a vow to not eat sugar is that, yeah, in the beginning, I was a dope fiend, man. Give me all the sugar on the planet. And it was hard for a short period because, you know, food without all that processed sugar and carbohydrates, it really does taste different. But alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with the capacity for change. And so give those things a moment. Let yourself, you know, actually come to, you'll, you'll discover, like, I actually really like food. Versus chemicals. Right. You know, but when people say, oh, I don't like to cook, well, who cares? Again, stop placing your likes and desires, especially from your lower passions, stop making them the captain of your ship. Right. We got to change our mindset <clears throat> there. It's like, I don't like, you know, you got to pray fudger. Well, I'm not a morning person. Clearly, God doesn't care what kind of person you are. He made you. Whether you're a morning, nooning, or night person, you still got to get up and pray. And if you don't, you're going to have to be liable and answer for that. And he might even punish you for it. Right. And so what does it matter whether you're a morning person or not? What does it matter you don't like to cook? Right. Reframe it. You got to reframe things. Uh, and in America, while your children are young, sit them down in front of the TV uh, and let them watch cooking shows so when they grow up, they'll be inspired to cook My daughter loves to. My, yes. my, my daughter begs every time because I cook every day. <clears throat> I cook I, I cook 90, 95% of the food in our house right. I make. I love my wife, but I didn't marry her to be a chef. <laughs> and and, and she, her, she always laughs. She's like, you know, I'm happy to clean up. You're the one that likes to cook, and you're good at it, and your food is good. And so, alhamdulillah, we eat everything as much as we possibly can, right? That's from scratch. Right. Uh, my daughter is begging me at every meal, can I help, can I help, can I help, can I help? And I, yeah, sure, go ahead and, you know, chop this and do that. And this, you know, and of course, in the beginning where, you know, she wanted to cook something, the little oil splashed on her. And she's like, ah! And I'm like, well, you know, see, now you got to learn how to. But now she's starting to learn yeah. her way around the kitchen. And, dance in the and kitchen. the whole point is that what? Hopefully she will acquire the habit of understanding that, you know what? I have to, I have to take charge of this. Right. I can't rely upon a package to do this. Right. You know. So one thing you mentioned, too, is, uh, you know, supplements aren't food, but it is something to look into because uh, it's expensive. Oh, they're, 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 they're important. They're important. We just are not getting, you know, I've, I, I, let me share a story here. Uh, we have a good brother. 
He's a journalist. And this is several years ago. We're talking about maybe early 2000s. And he was telling me a story as a journalist. Uh, he was sent to Mauritania to see how the farming processes are going on over there. Okay, this mm-hmm. sounds kind of boring, but all right, uh, go check it out. <laughs> so he's going to go do his uh, report and, uh, you know, write a story on, you know, how the farmers are. And, um, and I might be getting the story a little bit off here, but anyhow, he, um, or maybe it was one of his colleagues, but nevertheless, he went over there. He couldn't just go in there and start talking to the farmers. They're tribalistic. We don't know who you are. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he had to build a rapport, built a rapport with yeah, them. Right. And they, they said, you know, well, this is how we do it. And this is, they, they right. noticed that they're just farming the same crop over and over and over. Yeah, the monocrops. Okay. Yeah. And he asked, you guys know you should probably not do that. I mean, I'm not a farmer, but I'm pretty sure because the the desert is creeping in yeah. more and more into your farming. They go, listen, we know, yes, but the government won't subsidize us, and they told us to keep planting the same crop. Yes. So he said, "Here's you know, well, let me go investigate that." Wait a minute. He he went to the government, and they're like, "Hey, man, the uh, IMF." And the World Bank will not borrow us any money for our infrastructure here yeah, and to unless, maintain, uh, you know, our whole country unless we farm this way. He said, yes, what? Yes. So he goes to Chicago or wherever, and he's trying to get into the World Bank, got shut I down. I mean, even here in America, if you look at farming practices in America, um, you know, if one, they, they want people to have these, you know, 100, 200, 500 acre massive farms. You know, these huge areas that right. you require, you know, you know, terraforming, oh, you, yeah, know, exactly. you know, ter- really, yeah. almost like terraform, terraforming machinery, you know, to, to, to be able to do, yeah. which requires this massive, uh, you know, farmers to take out huge loans uh, to buy all of this super complex machinery. And then all of it to grow corn or soy, soy, you know. But I think, you know, this, I think there's a, we are, however, living in a moment where while people may be somewhat religiously asleep, I would say that they are perhaps, some people are having a, a bit of a spiritual awakening and that they're realizing that food is more than entertainment and that they want their food to be produced in a different kind of way you know, not only more ethically in terms of the treatment of the animal, or in this case, we're just talking about plants, but they wanted to be treated. They wanted to be produced in a way that is actually going to meet the needs of the population. Yeah. And so, you know, 99% of all food that we eat is related to our soil. And how's the soil? Right. And so, you know, at least 50% of our top soil, if not more, is moderately to highly, you know, uh, de- you know, degraded to the point that, you know, and I just, I think we were talking the other day about somebody was saying like an, or- an orange that you grow today compared to an orange that have been grown mm. in the 60s or 70s has maybe a, a-, a tenth of the vitamin C in right. it. So you'd have to have like 10 oranges today to get the same vitamin C out of one orange from right. like, you know, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, and what I mean by that is that this is all this, I think this is a a moment where Muslims should 
uh, join the conversation that needs to be more about than just is the meat halal. Of course, dhabah, the slaughtering of meat and the shara'ah or the religious rules pertaining to that, they're a part of Islam and they're unavoidable. Um, but they're not the entirety of the conversation mm. about food. And so we we need to care more just about whether or not somebody said Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. That's important. I'm not, I'm not belittling that. But we also need to realize that even though Bismillah, Allahu Akbar has been said, you know, if the cow is pumped full of chemicals or the feed that the cow is eating was treated in a certain way or I mean I think my wife showed me this video the other day that they did a test between conventional and organic strawberries mm-hmm. and they harvested them and then they put them in a blender and then they did this kind of like analyzer on it and they found that you know the the the, the organic uh strawberries had some pesticides but very very low the conventional strawberries had so much pesticides on them that you could actually just take those strawberries, blend them up, and you could repurpose them as fertilizer themselves on the next strawberry crop. That's amazing, right? You know, which then impacts the soil, impacts our health, impacts, 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 right? So, um, Let, let me give you a side note to that one. I don't know where I saw this. It might be fake news. But they said farmers in India use... Coca-Cola, because it's very cheap over there apparently or whatever, because they don't drink it anyways, and they'll spray it on their crop because it acts as a pesticide. As a pesticide? Yeah, I, who knows, man. <laughs> who knows? I got to look that one up. Fake <laughs> news. But, I don't know. So but, you know. it's amazing. And many people say, well, it's so expensive. And I remember one of our good older brothers, um, Shafkat, he told me, he said, a long time he told me, feed your family whole food as best you can. Because... Even though it, you might only be able to afford a little bit of it, yes, they'll be full. They won't be. They'll be satiated, as opposed to eating empty quantity, calories. Or, you know, quantity you know. and qual. I mean, obviously, at some point, quantity does matter because you do need to be able to eat a certain amount of calories in order to be, you know, to be healthy. But you know, quantity can also become a problem in and of itself, right? right? Especially when you're getting uh, a quantity of calories that are extremely low in nutritional value um, which is you know kind of what we have today right. and so you know just being conscious of uh, of again eating and, and 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 understand that marketing plays such a massive role in our understanding of food so now mm. you know you you'll go to this you'll go to the the store and it'll have organic and organic and i told you i i, I want i was i love tuna fish like because I'm still trying to hit my macros. I like to get a certain, you know, you know. I, I like to get at least around 200 grams of protein a day. Okay. Which is, you know, that's a lot, especially when you're getting it from a whole food source. And then you're trying to stay under also a certain calorie, you know, uh, you know, a certain number of calories. It can be tricky. So tuna fish is one of my go-to ones because it's very low in calories mm. and super high in protein. And... Eating it straight out of a can is a little tough. It's a little fishy, (laughs) pun intended, right? And so I like to cut it with a little lemon juice and a little cumin and a little little mayo. But I've been particularly lately focusing after learning a lot 
about seed oils like soybean oil and canola oil and cottonseed oil, all, all these other right these, these these oils that are hyper 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 processed that are super inflammatory and, and just incredibly bad for you. Mm-hmm. Is that I couldn't find any mayonnaise hardly that wasn't made with all of these. And he, 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 so I was at Whole Foods and they have organic mayo and it's right. made with organic soybean oil. And so what what difference does it make if it's organic versus non-organic soybean oil? It's still right. horrible for you. So, you know, just be cautious of <clears throat> of labeling, particularly marketing labeling because organic at this point now, is far more of a marketing term than mm. it is anything about whether food is whole or, 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 or not. Sure. Um, keto is another one. You'll find now where they say, this is keto friendly. Mm-hmm. Keto doesn't have any friends. <laughs> you know, either it's keto or it's not. Now, does that mean that it is low carbohydrate? But then you look on these things that are keto or you look on these things that are keto friendly and you have to have three PhDs in chemistry and physics to understand yeah. what the label is saying. I mean, it will have 50, 60 ingredients in there. And all of them are mega ultra processed. Right. You know, versus, you know, if you want to eat keto, like have some salmon or a ribeye and some sour cream. And I mean, I'm just saying like, no, yeah. because those are, you know, for the most part, single ingredient you know, things and, you know, now that can be keto, olive oil and versus, you know, keto friendly cookies. You know, if if you're at the point where you're trying to, you know, and again, you have to make that call for yourself. I'm not trying to shame anybody. What I'm saying is that you have to make a play call and have an understanding of where does that fit in. If you want to have a cheat meal now and then and you make it some keto ice cream or keto okay fine i'm not saying that you know i'm not trying to make a new hookum like you cannot eat uh, <laughs> any process but if your diet is predo- is dominated and predominantly made up of ultra processed foods undoubtedly sooner or later that's going to catch up with you yeah. and have an impact on your health Big especially time. if you're already a person which the vast majority of, of us already have some type of major underlining uh, underlying uh, you know health issue you, you you mentioned an interesting um idea here when to eat yes when to eat and uh, many of us have food contacts 24 hours a day yes yes so by 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 talking about when to eat i think that's not only to imply like oh well you shouldn't eat after this or that time yes in my case for a number of reasons, like I said, uh, my my cutoff time was six p.m. and I still prefer to eat, even though I don't and I don't intermittent fast every day now. I still do it some days of the week, but I'm not doing it seven days a week like I was. But I I, I go on and I go off of my intermittent fast, sure. even on days that I don't intermittent fast. I really want to finish eating by like six or seven o'clock because I found that a good. I, I again now at yeah. fifty years old. I would get issues of acid reflux, and mm. I just don't sleep well, man. Going to bed, and I go to bed early, right? Because I, I, I'm, I'm in bed like between between <laughs> nine and ten. I'm in bed. I don't stay up late. I don't stay up late at all because I got to be up early. I got to get up. I got to pray fudger. I got to take my kid to school. I got a lot, right? So I got to be up early, and the only way to do that without suffering major consequences, well, I got to go to bed early. So. 
when to eat is not only about you know the cutoff time, but also just the idea is that you don't always need to eat. No. And that I think most of us eat because we're bored or we want to be entertained or we have acquired the habit. The habit. That we must constantly be putting something in our mouth. Um, and I find that I definitely feel better, which is not the same about being happy. I feel better and more functional when I have a more restricted eating. And so I'm more, I'm more uh, intentional and purposeful in my eating. That When I eat, I'm eating because I'm hungry or I'm eating because, like I said, it might be like, oh man, you know, I, I ate dinner and then I look because I like to, I still track my food and I'm like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm 20, 30 grams short of my protein goal for the day. Mm. So I'm going to go and get a can of tuna uh, because I know I can get 30 quick grams of protein with a minimal amount of calories and other things, right? So boom, I go and do that. Right. So I'm eating intentionally either mm-hmm. to achieve a certain macronutrient goal or because I'm hungry or this or that versus just constantly. And like I said, for me in particular, I want to limit the number of times I'm revving my engine. Right. Because I'm still, after two years, I'm still dealing with, I mean, I'm, there's there's no cure for diabetes. There's only prevention and remission. And so unless I wanted to come back, I have to still you know mitigate that uh, by just not overstimulating my pancreas and having all of this, you know, insulin, which causes me to gain weight. And then if I gain weight, I'm going to be, become more insulin resistant. And then my, my numbers go up and so on. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, um, and the prophet I said, said what the, 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 the worst thing that a human being could fill, the worst container that any human being <clears throat> could ever fill is their stomach. That's right. Right, and that you know, ma ma adamiyun, you know, we an sharran min botni, you know, the 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 worst container that uh, any human or any any descendant of Adam could ever fill is his stomach. Yeah, and so famously he said that if you have to do it, which of course we have to eat, then he said what thulath taam, let a third then like like if you can kind of that's what we said have a have a plan and a program have mm. a conception. So the Prophet said, conceive of your stomach divided into thirds. One third of it should be for food. The other third for, should be for what? Shut up, for, for drink. And the other third, he said, is for nafas, mm. to breathe. <clears throat> right? Just, you don't have to, you know. And I, I learned that too in my journey is that um, I don't count calories to like the single calorie digit. And I think there is... I think there is a spectrum of the calories in, calories out debate. But there does come a certain point where you are just eating way too many calories. Right. Um, And so what I found is that I had a tendency to overeat because I – and I still do have a tendency to eat fast. Because now when I do eat, I'm usually hungry. So I'm like – I'm just gobbling, right? I'm wolfing down my food. And that – has the tendency to make you overeat because it takes it can take fifteen to twenty minutes before the brain and the stomach the society the satiety message is sent. 
So if I spend, you know, my, my stomach is full, but I go on shoveling food for another 15, 20 minutes, then guess what? I've eaten more than what I really need to eat. Mm-hmm. And so if you do that as a habit and that becomes a day in and day out, well, then that's going to impact your health in a negative way. Right. So it's a brilliant piece of advice from the Prophet, alayhi salam. May Allah bless him. When she said, you know, even just leave a third of the room in your stomach for, for breathing. Meaning that eat, and I've had to teach my daughter, because, you know, she's still growing. And, you know, and alhamdulillah, I do cook well. And, uh, like, the other night, I made these beef shanks. And I mm-hmm. made this gravy out of the, the jus. And, <laughs> you know, we had some mashed potatoes that I made with some Parmesan and all this stuff. And so my daughter went to town on it. She's like, Dad, this is so good. And so she ate a whole shank herself and a nice big plate of mashed potatoes and two big crowns of steamed broccoli. And then she's like, is there any more? And I said, just wait a few minutes. But, Dad, I'm hungry. I know. But you just ate a lot of food in in a very short amount of time. I said, just give it. I said, set your timer, because I do it with my daughter. Set your timer for three minutes. She set her timer and was done. I said, how do you feel? She's like, oh, I think I'm okay. I said, yeah, see, you're, I, I get it. The food is delicious. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I'm wolfing it down too. I like my own cooking. I really <laughs> do. And it was, it was. It was banging. But give yourself a chance to determine. And I told her, and I said, baby, I will never starve you. If after a few moments, if you're really hungry, there's a go go ahead. Right. Know? I mean, because sometimes there are days you you need a little bit extra, but probably most of the time, if we allow our you know stomach to catch up, yeah, we'll find that. That right? is definitely a important factor. No, when to eat, how much to eat, uh, and what to eat is a is a big factor in you know our whole holistic view in being whole and healthy. But one thing uh, you pointed out to me a while ago, which uh, I knew it was it, it registered a long time ago in the back of my head, uh, was that like sugar is in everything. You pointed out sugar <laughs> in milk. Yeah. And I never really looked at my, you know, whole milk, vitamin D, one gallon. And till you pointed that out, I said, Let me, what? 14 grams of sugar. Why are there 14 grams of sugar in this milk here? And then, you know, that just led me down the rabbit hole looking at every, every little thing. And, and, and especially today where you, you figure like, well, where, where are a lot of people going to get milk? I mean, I, I love milk. I mean, I had drink lactose, you know, free milk at this point because I, now I have a little bit of lactose intolerance. But you're going to get it from your coffee, your cappuccino, frappuccino, or maybe, I mean, I don't eat cereal, but if you get it from those, right? And the issue, and, and again, everybody can make their own choice. But what we're finding is sugar that is consumed without fiber mm. is kind of like heroin to our system. Mm. So there's nothing to mitigate it passing that membrane and going right into the bloodstream and spiking the glucose, right? Um, and so... However, one thing that can also help mitigate that, well, one, of course, is fiber. So eating food, like eating berries or something that they are sweet, 
but they also have some fiber, so they help to you know mitigate that sure, a little bit. You can metabolize. The it. other thing is also having some fat, and so that's why again everybody can make their own choices. But generally speaking, uh, whole milk is better than skim milk because mm-hmm. skim milk has had the fat taken out, and so you're going to get all of that lactose. So anything with the OS, the mm. OSE is what it's a form of sugar. So you're going to get all of that sugar. And it's going to have nothing to mitigate its passing through the the gut membrane, no fat, and also uh, uh, no fiber, mm-hmm. and so that's that's really bad. That being said, I also you know I, I do try to like I'll have maybe one cappuccino in the morning, and I'll have maybe one because I'm I'm you know my grandma was from Belize, so the British came through and left a few uh, cultural remnants. So I like my black tea with a little bit of milk. And so, but what I found is also, stop eyeballing things. Mm. Well, I'll just put some of that in there. Well, how much is that? There's a, I, I really, if I could tell people, definitely track your food. It, it's extraordinarily helpful to track your food. So yeah. I measure, when I when I home, when I make, because I, I like to make my cappuccino with a quarter cup of milk and three to four tablespoons of heavy cream. Mm-hmm. I make that as a blend, and I have this frother, and I make that, and that's what I froth my milk out of, and then I make right. my cappuccino like that. And so, one, I, I, I'm having a quarter cup of milk and not an eyeballed cup and a half, mm-hmm. you know, or a cup. Um, and so portion control, I think, is extremely, uh, you know, it's extremely important, and not relying upon... Human beings are very, very poor at, you know, being, is that is that a cup, a half a cup? Is that five grams? Is that 500 grams? We're very poor at that kind of abs- sure. observation. So, you know, definitely track your food, measure your food. Um, it's extraordinarily helpful. Well, to put in, to get some context in regards to sugar, how much sugar do we actually need in our in our blood? We don't, I mean, need, we, don't, we don't need sugar. So we have to differentiate between sugar and carbohydrates, right? And then, as we said, anything with the os in it is pretty, gonna, pretty much going to be, uh, right? There's glucose, which is just a kind of chain of carbohydrates. And then there's fructose, right? Fructose is like table sugar. So it's like one half of one type of sugar molecule in, in another. Uh, and then there's... You know, again, like lactose, right? That's milk sugar. The issue with table sugar and processed sugars in particular is that they can only be metabolized by the liver. Mm-hmm. Other sugars can be metabolized normally, you know, by and can be utilized in all the cells of the body, whereas the only organ that can really process uh, fructose in particular is the liver. And that's why you have a prevalence today, an explosion of what they call non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome. So you have people that don't drink alcohol uh, that basically have almost a kind of like cirrhosis of the liver, mm-hmm. right? So in the old days, you know, like especially, you know, kaffir, right, drinking alcohol, they would destroy their liver and it would have a certain kind of scarring and also the liver would become enlarged and very fat, uh, and that comes through. That would come through, you know, alcohol. Well, now people are getting the same result through the massive overconsumption of sweeteners, and that's the thing. We have to think of table sugar 
is not sugar. It's a sweetener, mm-hmm. right? Because it is this kind of Frankenstein molecule thing, you know. So do we need do we need sugar? No, we don't need any sugar. Do we have a need for carbohydrates? Yes. And, of course, everybody's body is different from that. Now, even to that, there were some people say, no, we don't need carbohydrates because – Allegedly, our ancestors or some of them were hunter-gatherers. And there are. They've shown many people have done a carnivore diet that have zero carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they seem to they seem to actually, you know, do okay. Uh, I think everybody has to make that call. But, oh, yeah. Um, you know, but, but do we need sugar? Well, mm-hmm. not sugar, but how much? Uh, don't they say there's like a teaspoon of sh- yeah but like- who came up with that number yeah who is See, that? that's the problem <laughs> you know, the problem is who came up with these numbers so they're going to be dominated by the food and drug administration and we already know that they've been compromised and lobbied by you know i mean that's that's like the big the big study that came out about heart disease you know being linked predominantly to sugar and not to fat well, mm-hmm. who doctored and changed uh that study and suppressed it. It was the sugar lobby. Right. You know, the sugar industry came in and lobbied, and, you know, the government is extremely porous. And they came in and they were able to lobby and tell people that, oh, you know, animal saturated fat is bad, particularly animal fat is bad, so now we got to go on everything as low fat. And now we're seeing the consequences of that. Um, and, and they're so, a big lobby, ladies and gentlemen. By the massive. way, they are they're massive, massive lobby to right? get their sugar so. When, into it, so even if they came out and said that, oh, you know, um, you could have, let's say, you know, fifty grams of sugar a day. I mean, what, can you trust anything that they say? Mm. No. Um, I mean, you even have like the Diabetes Association will tell diabetics that are on diabetes medication, which means that what. You are full-blown, out-of-control diabetes. They will tell diabetics, you can have as much sugar and carbohydrates as you want as long as you just counteract it with the correct <laughs> amount of insulin, insulin or metformin shot. or whatever your, you know, now we got Ozempic or, you know, whatever your drug of choice is or the one that we choose for you. You can just, just take that to mitigate that and you can have as much as you want. Right. So you can't even trust the Diabetes Association to the numbers or uh, uh, whatever that they recommend. You cannot trust those. Right. So one last thing about sugar, and I've noticed this because I'm reading labels. Uh, You'll have sugar, and maybe you can flush this out a little more, and then they have added sugar. Yes. So where's the – in that label, what is the sugar? Right. So if, if you take, for instance, like a package of strawberries, by weight, let's say by 100 grams or whatever, it will have X amount of sugar. Now, again, the label will just say sugar. Let's say, I don't know, it has, you know, 20 grams of sugar or whatever for strawberries. But that is a kind of sugar that, one, it's not, uh, it's not the, 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 the Frankenstein table sugar, <clears throat> the highly processed sugar. And it can be metabolized uh, not exclusively through the, the, the liver. Uh, and it obviously is going to have fiber. Now, added sugar invariably will be either some type of table sugar, derivative, mm. corn, high fructose, corn syrup. Right Again, 
When you see added sugar, almost invariably, that will be a kind of sugar that can only be processed by the liver. And that tells you right then and there, that is not something you should be eating. Yeah. Yep. Um, 100%. You know, it's just because we've, we've become, we've become slaves to our nuffs. And the nuffs is like, give me all the table sugar, give me all the processed sugar that you can muster. Because we like the we we love the way it we love the way the nuffs likes the way that it feels. Yeah, we don't like how it feels afterwards, right? We don't like the sugar crash, and we don't like the diabetes, and we don't like all the other things that come along with it. We don't like the you know now we got to be on Adderall or because of the. I mean, they're finding out now, like you know, a lot of these processed sugars are a form of like they have these like almost like a neurotoxin. Yeah, you know, it has these neuropsychoactive, you know, consequences to it. So, uh, and we have to be careful too. I will add this. People will say, oh, well, you should have honey instead. And I know about the hadith from the Prophet ﷺ about the benefits of honey. That being said, again, this is why you have to make choices based upon your health and where you're at. Now, the Prophet living 1,400 years ago, or the, 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 the Arabs or the Sahaba living 1,400 years ago that were not, you know, that didn't have metabolic syndrome uh, and didn't have all these other issues, then just having a little bit of honey, yes, indeed, it will have great benefits. Two, the bees back then are not making honey from the, Flowers that have been, you know, completely decimated by pollution <laughs> and pesticides, right? So those ahadith have to be taken within us. I don't say with, with a grain of salt, but certainly with a strong understanding of context and that foundationally our health is not the same as their health foundationally. And just to say, oh, you should have that. And I know many Muslims that are diabetic and they eat honey. If you're a person that is a diabetic, you should not be eating honey. All right. Well, this is where the podcast ends. You don't talk about Yemeni honey. That's yeah, complete. Wow. Well, <laughs> Look, honey. Look, honey. Uh, no, know. no. You, you, you. Well, yes. com- I mean, we're compounded with sugar, period, throughout the day. Right. Then let's throw a little more honey on top. Right. Now, I know it's yeah, again, I Now, know. if you're a person that's on, like, even in my case, let's say I'm on an ultra-low carbohydrate protocol and I'm only getting, you know, 50 grams or 40 grams of carbohydrates, not sugar, carbohydrates a day, mainly from whole food sources. And then I want to have 10, I want to have, I want to have a, an amount of honey that would equate to 10 grams or 15 grams of sugars, which is going to be very, very small, by the way, then that's a different. And they've shown to get the health benefits uh, what's the guy's name? Maybe I'll link to it. Uh, he was talking with another, you know, social media health influencer, but he was saying, no, to get the health benefits of honey, you only actually need to take like anywhere between a quarter to a third teaspoon. Mm. So again, when the Prophet Sallam said that you should have honey, or when the Quran talks about there's a shifa. In the stomachs of bees. Okay, but did it say what the quantity was of right. that to take? 
And so what do we do? Oh, well, more must always be better. <laughs> so the prophet said, said, honey, well, then you should have all the honey in the world. And right. honey, honey, honey. Right. So this is what I'm saying is that you, there's no substitute for intelligence and inquisitiveness so that, you know, it's, it might be about the dosage. Always. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, so the question would be all the Muslims that are eating honey. Is there anything to verify that whether the the way that they're taking it is bringing the benefit that the Prophet ﷺ talked about? Or actually, are they harming themselves? I mean, a simple simple clumsy example would be uh, drinking water. Whether that's Zamzam or like the Prophet ﷺ, you know, when you drink water to kneel down, right? We know... You can kill yourself. There was the, actually, was, I think it was a Korean or a Chinese or a Taiwanese, you know, YouTuber influencer just a few weeks ago that died from drinking too much water. Mm. So whether it's Zamzam water or any other water, and even if you drink it in the prophetic way of crouching down, if you drink two or three liters of water at a go, you'll kill yourself. Sure. So we have to understand that, you know, the Quran is on a cookbook. And the sunnah is not a cookbook. So often, sometimes, what's missing from these is quantity. Right. A lot of times. And that, again, the quantity for a Bedouin that was already malnourished and was was not getting adequate calories of the day, you know, per day, 1,400 years ago, you know, that, that quantity is very different than those of us today that are already like drowning in carbohydrates and processed and added sugars. And now we're going to add on honey to that. Natural or not, doesn't right. make any difference. Right. I know this will probably upset some people, but hopefully they will pause and reconsider what I'm saying. I am absolutely not controverting or contradicting anything that the Prophet Sallallahu said. Right. I'm just drawing to attention that probably the vast majority of us are not doing it in its correct application. More often than not, we, we, we can even see that with black seed. How much black seed are you supposed to get to achieve X, Exactly. Y, you know, he didn't you, say, right? Exactly. That's left up to you, you know, to use your own mind. And also, when he says black seed, what was the form that the Prophet Sallallahu took black seed right. in? Because most of us today will get black seed oil. Oil. Did he take it as oil? Was it, Did he just drink it, or did he just eat it as the raw seeds? How much did he take? Most of that information is unavailable. Right. Right. And so what happens if you take, if he was having, say, the whole food form of black seed, and we're having it now as oil or this or that, that's processed. Mm. Who's, who, how can we guarantee that through, the, through that process, that maybe that, the quality that would, as he says, is a, Shifa for every it's a cure for everything but death. How can we ensure that the process of which it's arriving to us is not actually destroying that? Right. That's right. One hundred percent. Um the sugar thing was is just so fascinating. I remember when um I we had um we had some students that were Asian. They've been here for a while, but there was a new group that came, and in my class, uh, some of the students were sharing some sweets, and 
they were like, oh, no, no, we don't want none. And one came to me and he told me, uh, you know, teacher, everything's so sweet over here. Like extremely sweet. It, it's just, I said, yeah, <laughs> yes. there's a lot of sugar in everything, <clears throat> even in your bread. And he goes, man, it's like everything is super sweet. So I, the, and you had told me one time before, just like cut out as much carbohydrates and sugar as you can. Just go down to zero. Bring everything down to zero and then start from there and see what's going on. So that's when I was having and my gout issues. Feel, right? I think, you know, and if, if, you know, tracking your food in terms of like, you know, I, 47 calories of this and 28 grams of that. Okay, if, if that is too much, then certainly keeping a food journal, I think, yeah. would be very, very helpful. Um, and like I tell most people, if you're going to start that journey – just eat, like spend two weeks eating how you've always been eating because it ain't going to make no difference, right? Spend two weeks eating how you have, but then just record what you eat. You know, I had a, I had a sandwich. I had two slices of this bread and such and such. You don't even have to start weighing it yet if you don't want, but generally a food journal so you can get an idea, yeah. an, an overview. What am I putting into my body? And then, like you said, bring that down. Yeah. And you don't have to go to, you know, if you normally have a sandwich, well, have half of you know put it do an open face sandwich so you have one slice of bread versus two right. and eat that way for a couple of weeks and see how you feel right um, you know most people I forget who was saying this before they were saying like most people don't really have because uh, now they're not gluten free gluten free most people don't really have necessarily a gluten intolerance but rather they're just drowning themselves in unnecessary carbohydrates. Mm that do have, you know, once you pass a certain level, especially if your activity level is very low, you know, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be suffering those consequences. I mean, that's why Michael Phelps, when he was an Olympic swimmer, was eating like, what, six or eight or almost 10,000 calories a day. Mm-hmm. And he was having to have pasta. and all. Yeah, because the dude was swimming like a dolphin. <laughs> you know, was doing his little flipper routine. No, definitely. Uh, I, I I'm very conscious about the the bread and how much. So I, I'm basically and, and, just and get because, sourdough because mo- yeah, you know. And so as we see now, conventional bread, you know, the issue is what it's the flour. Yeah, the flour is you know the way the flour is made. It's hyper. Most people will know this. It's hyper processed. The wheat germ is separated, and so. The protein that would normally be in there, actually the benefits would be there. That is stripped out, and the other pro- the other part is put through a highly processed, uh, 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 it's gone through a, a lot of ultra-processing so that it'll have an extremely long, stable shelf life. <clears throat> and it's detrimental to, to, to human health. Uh, and that is even in the sourdough. Now, the sourdough may have some partial benefits because of, it is uh, goes through a fermentation process, but even in that, you know, the uh, once it goes through the heat of baking, even then, it's really uh, uh, questionable of how healthy that is. If if the if the, the 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 wheat that was used in the process of of sourdough uh, is still conventional wheat, right? So, uh, you know, if you can find a bakery that has that that uses a more whole form of of wheat you know but then that's gonna taste different it's gotta be three ingredients yeah just water water (laughs) flour flour and salt that's it you know or or maybe yeast depending on which one that you're you're doing right um uh 
yeah, yeast, and uh, yeah, you don't even need to put the sugar in. That's right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, again, it just I think you got to have a broad, you got to have you got to have an honest conversation with yourself. Determine what are your goals. Are you trying to achieve your goals, or are you really trying to enact somebody else's goals? Uh, is the advice that you're taking and following is it actually leading you closer and closer to achieving your goal, or is it taking you in another direction? Uh, and be willing to allocate some of your time to eating food that has the least amount of labeling on it as possible. There you go. We need to build good habits and be whole. You've been listening to the Middle Ground Podcast with myself, Imam Mark Manley, and Brother Dawood Aleman. We know this one was a little bit more extended in length, but actually several of you had requested that we dive a little bit deeper and that uh, for some of the extended episodes, instead of chopping it up into multi-parts, just to give it to you straight, no chaser, give you the whole thing. So we switched it up and instead of doing this as a, as a multi-part, even though we're going to have an ongoing discussion about uh, you know, health and other spe- aspects of life, uh, we wanted to give this one in one shot. So we, we hope that you enjoyed it. As always, we look forward to your comments, uh, your feedback. Obviously, we're not giving out medical advice here, so take with you know everything that's been said. That's uh, particularly anecdotal or our reflections. You know, this is not medical advice, uh, and we you know encourage everybody to do their research and their due diligence. But we hope that it will spark uh, a curiosity within you to explore the the potentialities, inshallah, uh, of having good health. So leave us. Uh, anything, if we miss something, put it in the comments and let us know. Or if there's something else you would like us to explore in a future episode, again, drop us a line. Inshallah, we're wishing you and everyone well and bless you on your, may Allah bless you on your journey to good health. Inshallah, we'll see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum.